All right, greetings and welcome in. It's Better's Last Stand, show number 70, coming to you from the Pine Room Studios in luxurious downtown Wheeling, where construction and cold weather have taken over. Well, construction for the last five years, but cold weather for the last couple of days. It's pretty frigid out there, but it is winter. We got to remind everybody, it is winter. I don't know what we're expecting out of winter, but uh, I've heard a lot of people panicking about this weather. But uh, last time I checked, this is what January is supposed to feel like. Anyway, we roll on here. Show number 70. Um, middle of January already. Seems like the new year just came, but we're already halfway through the first month of the new 2024 season, year, whatever you want to call it. Uh, rolling on here in the Pine Room. Plenty of things happening. Be sure and check us out all over social media at the Pine Room Studios, BLS underscore PRP for your uh, for your Better's Last Stand stuff more so than this the regular Pine Room stuff. But you want to keep up, keep abreast on all that stuff, uh, check our show out on the Watchdog as well. Seven hours a week of um, pretty good radio, I would say. Uh, not to pat ourselves on the back. Definitely don't like to talk about ourselves too much. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's an entertaining time. Hopefully we... Uh, Make people uh, have some fun and uh, learn a little bit as well, as well as have some uh, really good guests. So we continue on with the radio show on WKKX, The Watchdog, each and every Monday, Tuesday, and Friday. So loaded show coming up today as you check the podcast here, as you check out Better's Last Day and Football on the Radio right now. We're probably uh, at least into our show. Uh, we got a we got a good Friday show coming up for you. Got Lunch Madness around the corner here. We'll give a little bit of information on that uh, coming up in the in the next few shows uh, to get ready for that exciting contest that we have uh, and plenty of other things on the horizon. So keep an eye out at the Pine Room Studios, WatchdogNetwork.com. You can listen to the stream anytime, anywhere. All right, let's talk about uh, betting stuff right now. Back to last week. So Wild Card, Super Wild Card weekend in the books. Uh, some of the games going kind of the way we expected. Other games going not so much how we expected. Uh, we'll do a little recap of that. But we were down uh, nearly three units last week. Wasn't a strong week. Definitely not. But for me, it was terrible. Um, Sam uh, had a Dalton Schultz touchdown score. That one was a pretty good one. Kept him a little bit above sea level. But uh, I was I was just trying to scratch out some some you know just to try to get back to 500 and it wasn't easy a couple of bad breaks in soccer that would went against me it was really frustrating uh but anyway we were one one to know in our best bet though i didn't nail the kansas city game all the way around we had first half under we had the chiefs was my best bet of the week and we had the game total under so pretty easy one there we didn't have to sweat at all about the total or the chiefs really in that game at all miami made just one play so that was all there was to see there, so that one was pretty good. So if you loaded up on the best bet, you had a pretty good uh, time of it. Uh, if you didn't, then you you were lucky to scratch out a little below even, hopefully, depending on what all you got there. Golf didn't go very well either. I had Russell Henley in there in the mix, really good chance of winning, and he had a couple of just catastrophic misses uh, in the last couple of holes. He uh, hang, hanged on, hanged on, he hung on for a uh, top five, but nothing nothing to write home about. The rest of our guys were just average at best. We had a few top 20s in there, scratched out a little bit, but nothing nothing too exciting. Um, in that tournament, though, Grayson Murray was around 500 to 1, so sorry I didn't give him out. Uh, Grayson Murray had been a guy that I was on a lot uh, probably, I don't know, five, six years ago when he was first coming on to the tour. He's a pretty good player, and I think he had some substance issues. He was, I think he was an alcoholic of some kind uh, or, or something along those lines, and that, you know, was way out of golf for a while and then just making his way back in there. So he's uh, he's back uh, in, in where he can win. He was always talented, so 
but wasn't going to give him out. His form hadn't been anything to speak of, in, uh, but he got it done there on a really easy course. And uh, I like to think that this week's will be a little bit better, but we'll talk more about the American Express coming up here in the second segment of the show. No Sam today. He's uh, just getting back from Texas. His cousin got married, and uh, his cousin on his on his mother's side of the family. Uh, so that's why our family wasn't at that wedding. But uh, anyway, uh, hope everybody down there had a good time. Uh, nice people, the Sonnefeld. So. We uh, give them a shout-out, and Sam and his mom went down, and hopefully they had an enjoyable time. He's getting back and settled back into work, and I know he had a commitment this afternoon, so he can't make it. But his picks will be available on BLS underscore PRP, as always, as Blackpool just scores in a cup match here against Nottingham Forest. The Seasiders are looking pretty excited right now to cut it to 2-1. to one. Uh, If you haven't ever checked out Blackpool, Check it out on the Google Maps. It's like buried right on the sea. You talk about a great place to to live. If you were able to live in England, that would be the number one spot that I would want to live in. Right up against the sea. It's a really, really cool place. So, uh, yeah, Seasiders cut it to 2-1 against Forest here in a cup match. All right, so back to business here. Uh, as I said, Sam, pretty solid. You know, he had that Dalton Schultz touchdown. He actually had, I think he scored twice. So, um, But... I was not good. I did have the best bet come in. Golf was awful. We'll try to bounce back. 17-11 on the best bets this year. Coach and Chris, uh, 6-11 for Coach, 11-6-1 for Chris, but they haven't made any picks in a while. Um, Too many things happening for them right now to be able to make it to the show, unfortunately, but that's all right. All right, so NFL wild card, super wild card weekend. Recapping that a little bit. Um, It's kind of... The observations that you take away from the weekend were, like I said, you had a lot of things that you thought were exactly how you you pictured them in your mind. Like Dallas uh, losing, I absolutely, you know, pictured that in my mind. I talked about it last week. I didn't think they would. I thought that maybe they'd be able to win this time, but I know it wasn't going to be easy and it wouldn't surprise me if they did lose. I didn't expect them to lose that quite that bad, and I'm actually surprised that, that they haven't cleaned house with, Prescott and uh, McCarthy, but if, if they don't, they're never going to win anything. There's those guys are losers by trade. They'll never be able to beat anybody because if you couldn't beat that Packer team with a very subpar head coach in a basically a rookie quarterback, he's not really a rookie, but he's his first year starting, and then you'll never beat anybody because you're not going to get an easier opponent ever in your own house to take care of than that. And Green Bay thoroughly embarrassed them. It was an embarrassing showing for Dallas, and uh, you know Jerry Jones. <laughs> I mean, he's a lost cause if he doesn't get rid of those guys, and he's just the you know the bigger idiot than I than I think he is. Uh, the Saturday evening game, Lions and Rams, or Sunday evening game, Lions and Rams came down to the wire. It was the only game of the week that actually the spread actually mattered in the game, uh, as the Rams get the cover there plus the three. Um, Rams probably win that game if Sean McVay doesn't screw up his timeouts and use two of them early in the second half. They only had the one left, and they could never get the ball back. And I really do. Stafford was moving the ball. What a warrior he is. He got beat around, probably cut some uh, questionable hits against him. But uh, they were able to uh, hold off the Rams' charge. But the Lions' defense, we'll talk more about it when we go through this week's card, but Lions' defense to me is extremely concerning. They don't get enough pressure, and their secondary is really, really bad. And, uh, you know, they, they did decent against the run of the Rams, but they, their passing game was just, eat, it just ate them apart. So uh, I'd be very worried about the Lions going forward, and I think they, they're very vulnerable because of that. But, uh, all right, back to Saturday's games, um, the two Saturday. Uh, Cleveland right up there with uh, Dallas. 
And uh, as bad as Dallas's defensive game plan was, Dan Quinn, who's being considered for the Seahawks coaching job, uh, the Seahawks will be idiots to hire him. If they hire him, the 49er fans and the Ram fans, they should rejoice because they'll never win. They'll never win with that guy. They just won't happen. He he blew a Super Bowl, biggest lead in Super Bowl history with the Falcons. How could you hire a guy to to be able to be a head coach again when you blow that lead? You, you don't just, oh, well, he's going to figure it out. Well, no, he's not going to figure it out. He's just not going to. When you're making blunders like that time after time, Dan Quinn was always a terrible coach. He blew leads time and time again before that Super Bowl, if people remember when he coached the Falcons. He should never be a head coach again. He should be a defensive coordinator, and I'm not even really sure he should be a defensive coordinator because his game plan against Green Bay was was absolutely putrid, and it cost his team the game. And Jim Schwartz, another guy getting a lot of steam, I'll give him another chance. You know, he was he didn't have all the experience when he coached the Lions the first time, and blah blah. He's not a head coach. He can't be. You can't have guys with this poor game plans in playoff games. Browns defense completely listless. Horrible game plan. I don't know what they were doing. They were playing zone coverage, and literally there was nobody ever in the zones where their Texan guys were. So uh, those two guys should never, ever be head coaches again, and I would really, really reexamine whether or not they even should even be coordinators. Schwartz got a lot of credit this year uh, for how good his defense is, but all those numbers were built at home, and I'm really not certain why that is. Um, there's only so many things a crowd can do in a game to make it to where you're having an advantage. It almost makes me think they're cheating somehow, but I, I don't know. I, I don't want to speculate, but it, it doesn't seem normal. It seems as almost as weird as the, the Astros thing, although the Astros thing was the reverse. They were better on the road somehow. But anyway, don't want to go down that track right now. But anyway, bad game plans for the Browns and the Cowboys. We can't. You can't give them anything but uh, bad F-minus marks for those defensive game plans. So those were the two worst performances of the week by far. Uh, Chiefs game, as I mentioned, pretty much what I would have expected. Chiefs and under, they take care of the Dolphins pretty easily. Um, I know there's a lot of Chief hatred out there, and and, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, man, I know the Chief fatigue is there. But, man, I feel like the Patriot fatigue was pretty high around these parts. but man, you got to respect these teams at some point. Like, even if you don't like them, you got to respect them. Um, and and I have nothing but respect for the Chiefs. They're they're very businesslike, and they got the job done there. Uh, the Monday night game, Tampa and Philadelphia. Talk about another team that completely no showed on defense and pretty much offense too. Philadelphia, you could see about six weeks ago they were starting to lose it, and they completely lost it in the, in the coming in the final weeks. Christmas, they were lucky to hang on against the Giants. Tyra Taylor starts the game. They probably lose and then when you saw the Giants just dismantle them the giant team who's been horrible all season uh, but the Giants have a couple interesting wins they beat the Eagles they beat the Packers um, so that would worry me if I was a Packer fan but the Giants uh, manhandled the Eagles and the Buccaneers manhandled the Eagles the Buccaneers knew they were winning that game basically from the first drive uh, Baker Mayfield was great and the Bucks did everything they needed to do in the game uh, Eagles kind of like the Dolphins. They had one big play. One play to Smith, and that was the only thing they did the entire game. Uh, Philly's got a lot of problems. they got a lot of problems. I don't know where to begin with it. Uh, Sirianni got all that praise last year. Maybe he wasn't all he was cracked up to be. Jalen Hurts, maybe he's not really as good as everybody uh, thought he was either. Maybe the more tape that comes out on these guys, the harder it is to be good. So that's when you tip your cap to these guys who have been doing it for as long as they have. And uh, defensive coordinators still can't stop them at all times. Um, but 
We shall see how Philly bounces back next season. Um, I, I wouldn't expect them to be super terrible, but you never really know uh, if they lose the locker room and they bring the coach back. It could continue on. Uh, Steelers-Bills, another Monday night game. Um, this game was interesting to me. I thought the Steelers had some chances to make that game a lot closer than it really was. Um, now, the Bills jumped out all over them. I'll, I'll give the Bills credit for that. They, they they came ready. Josh Allen was the best player on the field by far. He was exceptional in the game. But uh key turnover in the red zone, or end zone, really, uh, on, on a drive that could have cut the lead to 14-7. Turns out to be 21 nothing. And then, uh, you know, Steelers were chasing the game after that. You know, Pickens fumbled early in the game. Steelers had a lot of mistakes. And they're playing without Watt. But uh, I thought the Steelers really... Had a couple of, of things. They got the block kick, which kind of turned a little momentum for him before halftime. But I thought the Steelers actually had a, an outside shot of, of at least covering in that game and, and really maybe even winning because I didn't think Buffalo did a very good job of managing the game once they got the lead. And I thought Buffalo started to panic a little bit when they were uh, when it was 21-7 and the Steelers kind of took back some of the momentum. So, um Buffalo's a team that is going to go as far as Josh Allen's going to take him, and, and can he do it alone? Because I, I see a lot of holes in Buffalo. I know everybody out there is telling me how great Buffalo is. Is all I hear. But um, as I'll talk about in the uh, rundown of the divisional playoff matchups, um, I'm not quite on that bandwagon quite yet. Now, I am on a Josh Allen bandwagon because I think he's just superb. But uh, the Bills as a team, they got a lot of holes, and I'll talk more about that in a couple minutes. Um, just one point spread came into play. As I said, the Rams, they lost the game by one, uh, plus three. Uh, the Browns were a playoff favorite for the first time since 94. Well, you can see they, they should not have been. Uh, and then the Super Wild Card Weekend favorites went three and three straight up, two and four ATS, and then the overs and unders were three and three. Home dogs, two and oh. Two and oh for the home dogs. Tampa and on Saturday, Houston. So those were your two home dogs. They got the job done. Um, impressive by both of them. Can't can't say anything but that. Packers were impressive as well, but um, we'll talk about some of their vulnerabilities. Uh, coming back over to the NFL here, just continuing on here. Peacock rating was huge for that uh, Kansas City and Dolphin game. Now, I think a lot of that may have to do with the Taylor Swift element um, a lot of Swifties, probably a lot of teenage girls were going into the, their Peacock accounts of their dads or moms or whatever, or if they didn't have it, they were signing up for it to watch that game. So Taylor Swift uh, stealing the show as usual. And I know people were mad about that too, which I just don't get it. Like, just ignore it. Just, I mean, whatever. They show guys' wives and girlfriends all the time on these on these broadcasts, and she's the biggest entertainer of our era right now. So... Um, I can't imagine that the networks, if the networks didn't show her, they'd be doing a, a bad job by their investors and their stockholders, if you ask me. So business first, money is everything. Uh, Dallas, we talked about disaster once again, see how they end up. Uh, the Eagles finished the season 0-7 ATS and 1-6 and uh, overall. So they had one win was against the Giants on Christmas, and they did not even cover in that game. So Really ugly stuff from the Philadelphia Eagles. Patrick Mahomes has been an underdog 10 times in his career. He's 7-3 and three straight up, 8-1-1 one and one ATS. We'll get into that when we talk about the games. Tampa Bay is now 9-3 and three ATS as dogs. 5-1 and one is a dog of four points or more. So uh, Tampa responds well as a dog. Baker plays well as a dog. When the pressure's not on, those guys seem to rise to the occasion. So 
Uh, pretty impressive stuff there. And uh, we'll uh, talk a little more NFL coming up after the break. But we're going to jump over to hockey here. Uh, Penguins had a nice win the other day against the Kraken. That was a Monday afternoon game. They played that before the Steeler game. Penguins uh, starting to to look, you know, up and down. I would say they they've they've played well, but not well enough. They haven't closed out some games that they probably could have won. Uh, Jari with a shutout yesterday. So they're making a little bit of a move in the Metropolitan Division, but they gotta they gotta get a little bit more consistent. Um, and they can't have these games where they're falling behind very quickly or they're blowing the lead. So if they could cut those two problems out. They might have a shot. Uh, power play's got to continue to improve. But Sidney Crosby, Sam said it on here a couple weeks ago, Sidney Crosby right now far and away the MVP of the league. Um, I, if people aren't paying attention to it, they're, they're they're not really paying attention. But this dude's getting up there in age. A lot of guys are tapering off. You see Ovechkin struggling. This guy's just on a on a wicked pace. He's on a pace to score 50 goals. Uh, just He's just dominating out there and, and at his age, and, and he's just performing at such a high level. And he'll probably get ignored. Because, uh, you know, he's not from Ontario, which is the only place that they consider Canadian players to come from. If you're from French Canada or out on the on the banks, Nova Scotia or Prince Edward Island or any of those places in New Brunswick, you're not going to get, you're just not going to get any uh, attention. So anyway, Canadian media drives that all the time. Sometimes in Western Canada, they'll pick up somebody. That's why Connor McDavid wins all the time. But uh, the Oilers are playing well. They've won 11 in a row, so you can't take anything away from them. I still think their goaltending is going to be a problem. But Paul Coffey has made just incredible strides of their defensemen, just making them so much better in so many different areas of the game. So I don't know what took so long for somebody to to listen to Paul Coffey's expertise, one of the best to ever do it. Uh, So Oilers rolling. Toronto is uh, a disaster. They blew another lead last night to the Oilers lost uh they've really been struggling lately there's no end in sight for them they don't have the goaltending they don't have the defensive play they don't have the overall makeup their captain's getting demoted john Tavares, he's just basically a big loser um yeah they just don't have enough i like to see austin matthews get out of that dump but uh probably won't ever happen but canada's only hope right now is the oilers if the oilers were to make a big trade at the deadline and get a goalie like a legitimate goalie they might have a shot I know a few weeks ago I said no chance a Canadian team would ever win uh, this year, and I still don't think they will. But if they were to make a really big, big time splash and get a really proven goaltender, then maybe, just maybe, they have enough. But they still got to get through some really good teams out west uh, Colorado and Winnipeg, who's playing just superb right now. As I talked about last week, it's been like 30 some odd games since they've allowed a the team they're playing score over three goals. Well, that's continued on another week. Last night, the Islanders had two goals um, in the third period with 15 minutes left, and they could never get past the two. Jets win again. They're playing well. Kings have been slumping a little bit, but I think they'll pick it up. Vegas is really good. Dallas is really good. Western Conference loaded, so it's going to be tough for Edmonton to get out of there unless they really, really get a goaltender that can carry them. Uh, going through a few of these stats that we give out every week. Goal in the first 10 minutes. Yes, Ottawa 28 and 10. Minnesota 29 and 12. Seattle and St. Louis 28 and 13. Those teams are goal. Yes, in the first 10 minutes. The last 10 games, we got three teams on an eight and two right now. Eight and two run right now. Ottawa, Seattle, and New Jersey all eight and two to the yes goal in the first 10 minutes. Ottawa 16 and one run on the road goal in the first 10 minutes that is nuts they continue to do the job um whether it's goal for or goal against so uh jump on those while you can 
Keep exploring them. You can check those guys out on Twitter. Uh, Chris Otto and Ian Duncan, they do a really good job of putting up the, the spreadsheets each and every couple of days. Uh, goal in the first 10, no. We talked about the Jets, how well they've done defensively. 28-14 and 14 to the no. 7-3 and three to the no in their last 10. So, Jets definitely a lockdown, defensively responsible team with very good goaltending. Um, that's got a recipe to carry in the playoffs, and it seems like they've found some depth scoring, which they have not had in the recent years because a couple of years ago I was kind of high on them, and they just fizzled out at the wrong time. They could not get any scoring from their bottom six, and that's changed now. So Jets look like a contender at this point, but long way to go. We haven't even hit the all-star break. First period overs and unders. Senators of Ottawa, 27-11 and 11 on the season to the over in the first period. That's over one and a half goals. The New Jersey Devils, 27 and 13 to the over. And the Calgary Flames, 29 and 14 to the over, one and a half in the first period. Here's some streaks right now. As I said about Ottawa, 16 and one run on the road. Goal, yes, in the first 10. Well, they're 15 one run with goal in the first period. I'm sorry, over in the first period. So it'd be over one and a half goals. 15 and one of the over in the first period. Uh, a run for the Ottawa Ottawa Senators. That's across both home and away. Carolina eight and two to the yes in their last ten. So that's over one and a half, eight and two in the first period for Carolina. The unders in the first period in the last ten. Chets nine and one. So a nine and one run where it's been one or less goal for the Jets in the first period, not necessarily for them or their opponents combined. Philadelphia on an eight and two run. Philadelphia as a team is playing very responsible hockey right now. It's really interesting because they were so bad defensively last year in goaltending uh tortorella's turned him around we'll see how long his uh, effect can last he usually wears off and then the team goes south quickly but he's trying to hold them above water so you can't count it out yet and sadly so the flyers are a playoff contender at this point um going over to basketball now uh, touching on a couple of things happening across college basketball and the nba mountaineers which we talked about a little bit last week talked about on the radio about how they're going to struggle to win games in the Big Ten or the Big 12. Um, thought maybe the two and a half would have been there. Wow. Oh, my. Blackpool just tied it in the 80th, 79th minute. Oh, my. They were down 2 nothing. This place is going absolutely crazy. Good stuff. Uh, all right. So back to college basketball. The Mountaineers get a win against Texas. Upset victory against a ranked Texas team in Morgantown. Um, wouldn't count on that happening very often. I thought two and a half was the number. Maybe they're going to get over that now. Um, they got Oklahoma in action tonight. Uh, that's going to be a bloodbath. I think they'll get killed. But we shall see. Mountaineers showing a little bit of sign of uh, you know trying to figure out some ways to stay in these games. But uh, long term, they're they're just really not a very good basketball team. There's a lot of volatility in college basketball. I mean, it's every night these teams. Conference games now, you know, in the, in the full swing, and these teams are really battling it out. Um, you, be looking for for good spots, meaning not not point spots or spreads, but like good spots, like coming off of win loss, vice versa, playing against teams who just upset somebody big at home, and then they got to go on the road. Be looking for those because those are where you're starting to find a little bit of. Um, predictability I don't want to say it's easy by any means because it isn't at all because you still got to deal with the point spread of it but you have teams in bad spots or good spots playing against each other Maryland the other night beat Illinois really good road win for them they haven't won a big 10 road game 
uh, of that magnitude in in a couple of years. But now they go to Northwestern. Like they, Northwestern would be a play because they're coming off a loss of a game that maybe was a really tight wire uh, loss for them. So uh, look for the teams that are pretty decent that are coming in and in off of a good or bad performance. And then if it matches up with the team on the other side, that's off of that. And if you can get a couple of a, a good versus a bad or a bad versus a good, you can, uh, you can use those spots. So I think there's some, some plays out there each week now. And you also have a history with these teams. Now you go through, look at the way these teams have played on the other team's home court. If you see a team that has won like eight straight times against the team at home and have covered the spread every time, you know, that's one you want to look at. And I'm not saying you don't you don't want to play it blindly, but you want to use that in there. Like if you like the number, if you like the way the team's playing, if the personnel's checking out, um, assuming that they have either the same coaches or somebody from the previous staff, you know, you want to look at those games because as you can – see when you look at deep into college basketball you'll see that there's a lot of teams that just have somebody's number whether it's they're they're the fifth best team in the league but they always give the top team trouble every year whatever there's always spots like that out there especially in these small leagues horizon league and the summit league and uh the mac and just on and on and on metro atlantic especially is a great great league to, to to wager on um but yeah, look for these trends. You can find a lot of information out there. Just do a little research. If there's a team that you're interested in, check them out. You can look at Ken Palm ratings. Then if you get kind of where you're thinking, like, oh, I like the spot for this team. The opponent's in a bad spot. This is going well for them. This is going well for them. This is going bad for them. I'm going to check it on Ken Palm. And then you got like a 100 level difference in the, in the teams on Ken Palm ratings. And then maybe you say, all right, that sealed the deal. I'm going with that team that I like. So, um We'll talk plenty more about college basketball when we get uh, the NFL put to bed. I'll start going through some forecasted ahead matchups and things like that. Uh, we put up some plays on uh, on the Twitter site, and uh, I'll probably do more of that now that it's conference play and uh, get a little bit better handle on on that stuff because um, a lot of times I'm watching these numbers, and I don't play them to the very, very end, so I don't even want to put them up there because they're it really can't help anybody because it's like literally a couple minutes before the tip, you see a number going up three or four points. You play in it. And, and a lot of times I'll wait and, uh, and play it late. So, um, yeah. So back to, uh, basketball though, just, uh, overall basketball, NBA Lakers 10th in the West right now. Celtics look to be the elite team in the Eastern conference. A couple of big, uh, trades and maybe on the, the horizon. He looks like the Pacers just got Siakam from Toronto, which really, uh, that's big because, I mean, you get, you get a guy that can defend a little bit. Pacers have had some problems defending. I think that's something that they really, if they can get a lockdown defender, that they could match up against some of the uh, better players in the Eastern Conference. You know, you're going to have guys that are going to try to stop Tatum and Giannis. Um, Siakam then comes becomes a really valuable part of that team. So I like the Pacers. They're, they're fun. They're, uh, they're very good offensively. They need to get better defensively. They address that. And uh, I think that's a really good trade for them. You're going to see some more. I think Philly will do something. The Lakers, I'm sure LeBron is crying up a storm right now to get some players in here to help him. i uh, got to see if the Bulls will be sellers. Knicks already made a move. Uh, I don't think Boston will make hardly anything. Suns, I don't know what they'll do. They're playing a little bit better. Um, Clippers starting to, I don't know. The Clippers, to me, are starting to show like maybe they're they're getting a little tired, like their guys have played a lot, so they may may, may gear it back a little bit, but uh, they had a nice little run there for a while, and the Timberwolves weathered the storm, but they're still on top of the Western Conference, up with the Thunder, who are playing really good basketball right now. So 
A um, couple of NBA, a near bad beat if you saw this on Martin Luther King Day. The Hawks, they are leading by as many as 35 against the Spurs on MLK Day. And they literally had to make free throws. The, the Spurs were fouling them in the last 48 seconds of the game. And they had to make free throws to cover the eight and a half uh, spread in that game. So you, you had a near miss there. They won 109-99, so they barely hung on. But a 35-point lead, ugh, that would have been a terrible loss if you had if you had the Hawks. Uh, Kings money line the other night, they were up 22 on the Bucks. Damian Lillard hits like a 45-footer to beat them, 143-142. So if you had that one, uh, condolences. And then the over in the Rams-Lions game was a pretty pretty tough one. I mean, I'm not going to call it a bad beat, but it is an unfortunate ending. Um, if you had 51, 52, 53, anywhere in there, it was 21-17 at halftime. And an NFL game is 38 points. I mean, you're thinking, wow, I'm, I'm on a way better than halfway pace here. I only need, you know, a few scores in the second half. All you got was nine points in the second half. So 24-23 final. That one hurts a little bit. Uh, that one, I was on the end of that one. So not a fun one there, but the show will go on. Um, yeah, so basketball will be heating up here. NBA trade deadline will be approaching. We'll have the All-Star game coming. Same with the NHL. So plenty more. Those seasons a long way from ending. Same with college basketball. So we'll be gearing it up here on Better's Last Day to talk plenty more about those leagues in the coming weeks, but our main focus, of course, is the NFL. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here on BLS, show number 70 from the Pine Room Studios. We're going to come back, talk a little bit about tennis. Finally, something that I want to talk about. Oh, no, no, I like hockey so and college basketball uh, to some degree. But I'm excited to talk about tennis. We'll recap a little bit about our future bets that we gave out last week, as well as golf back. Third week of major golf action as the American Express heads out to PGA West out in La Quinta, California. We'll talk about those and the NFL Divisional Playoffs coming up after the break. It's Better's Last Stand, show number 70. We'll be right back. Reminder, this show is for informational and entertainment purposes only. All wagering activities should only be conducted by those 21 years of age or older and within the confines of federal, state, and local law. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, contact 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. All right, men, load the cannons and hold the line. You're listening to Better's Last Stand. All right, rolling back along here. It's Better's Last Stand, show number 70, Pine Room Studios in downtown Wheeling in our Watchdog building. Check us out on the radio, seven hours of Watchdog radio action, Pine Room action on the Watchdog each week. Um, our friends at IC Cab, who sponsor this show and many of our other shows, we appreciate everything they've done serving the Ohio Valley for all your transportation needs. 304-232-1313 or download the IC Cab app today. IC Cab, always working, uh, do such a wonderful job. I was talking about on the radio the other day. I was out probably a quarter to six on my way to work the other morning. It was snowing out pretty good. Um, and there's IC Cabs out there taking people to where they need to go. It's it's really awesome to see. Um, they're just everywhere. Any time of the day you're looking for them, if it's after midnight, if it's before 6 a.m., they're out there serving you. 
and serving the Ohio Valley. So uh, hats off to Phil and everybody and Tate and all the people down there at IC Cab for everything they do. Uh, just a wonderful service for the area. Uh, Nailers were in action last week. Uh, it was oh god, it was ugly. Uh, Friday night got beat five two in a game that they they were in the game, uh, but couldn't couldn't quite make the plays they needed to make against Indy. And then uh, Saturday was a was just a debacle. Uh, led six two at the end of two. Uh, led 7-2 at one point, lost the game 8-7, uh, just a gut-wrenching loss. And then they lost Sunday to Kalamazoo. Uh, the the balloon lead was to also to Indy. So Indy, two losses, and then Kalamazoo beat them on Sunday. So not good. Uh, nailing it down. We'll have that on the show here uh, on Friday on the Watchdog show. Uh, but, yep, we'll recap that. We'll talk about the upcoming trip out to Iowa. But the Nailers need some points, and they need some fast because it's a really good division they're in, and now they're down near the bottom. And they were up near the top, and it can change very fast. So hopefully Coach Army can get it back on track. And uh, we're excited to be partnering with the Nailers for so many cool things that they do down at the arena. They had Super Nailers World. And, man, what a great night it started out. 6-2 lead, Super Nailers World going on, all kinds of stuff. People told me how their kids had just the time of their life down there. And then it all goes south with a five-minute major and uh, two late goals for the fuel. So... Uh, best of luck to the Nailers. We'll talk plenty more about them on the radio show. As always, Lunch Madness will be coming up here in a couple of weeks, starting in February. Take you right up to the March Madness College Basketball Tournament. We're going to be breaking it down, going through school lunches of 32 local teams here, uh, our, our Pine Room guys. And we're going to have plenty of uh, school interaction with that as well on our Instagram's account. So follow us on there at Pine Room Studios. You'll see all the details of the contest, which I'm expecting to be released. We're trying to secure a couple of sponsors for it, so it's going to be really cool. And uh, Chubb has done a really good job on the logo, and uh, I've been putting together power rings and brackets and all kind of stuff. So should be a fun time. Tune in to the Watchdog Network for all the fun of Lunch Madness in the coming weeks from the Pine Room. Coach Dell's Dugout Talk should be releasing here soon. He had Andrew Koala. He was down at... Uh, he had Andrew here in the studio a few weeks ago. Andrew was here over the break, assistant coach at Liberty University. And then uh, he went down, and he and uh, Jarrett and Job and Cooley went down to WVU to talk with Coach Maisie, and they did their second episode of the Coach Dell's Dugout Talk down there at the Mountaineer Complex. So cool stuff ahead. Those will be coming out at some point. We've had some radio rewinds on there. We had Horrifying History's Brenda Gansky on there uh, just last week. Uh, always just an incredibly knowledgeable lady. Fantastic podcast. If you're looking for a change from sports, uh, highly recommend you learn something. And she just does a, it's just a super, super job. Um, so we did a radio rewind with her. We had Sir Yacht, uh, social media influencer and Brown super fan on the show last week as well. Uh, his interview's on there. So lots of good things happening. Keep your eyes open. Stuff will be popping up here and there. Uh, plenty of other soup and stuffs in the works and various other things under the Pine Room Studios umbrella. All right, back to business now. We went through the bad beats or the half bad beats. Uh, a couple of things, industry news. Live Golf partnering with the U.S. Integrity for gaming integrity monitoring, compliance, and gambler's education. That's pretty interesting as Live Golf looks to uh, get its image uh, back on the good side of things. Uh, I've always been a proponent of Live Golf. I think they try to do things the right way, so... Hopefully they continue and they get that merger done and everybody can play off and on between the two tours and make a lot of money and show us the best golf each and every week because right now it's spread out too much and it's not as good as it should be. Uh, the Cowboys' loss to the Packers last week was one of the biggest wins for sports books, meaning bookmakers like myself, 
for the whole season. It was huge. Now we actually, we actually could have used the Cowboys, uh, probably covered in the game to be honest with you. But the money line kind of offset it because we had some very, very, very big Packer action, which is strange. Uh, normally you wouldn't see that, but we had a couple of. Couple of uh, you know wiser fellows to come in and, and and hit the Packers up pretty hard. So but we ended up doing all right though because the money lines obviously busted up everybody's money line parlays with Dallas. So anyway, biggest decision of the year for it, most books, at least many of them, different jurisdictions. I talked about it before. Uh, you get a lot of sway depending on where you are in the country. In the country, who who the area likes, who the area hates is kind of how you'll be able to base it. So you may sometimes see teams. Uh, that you need in a small, smaller area that, you know, the other places across the country need the exact opposite of you. So kind of like what I explained right there with the Packers, we kind of could have used them, but uh, we'll, we'll take it. It was overall, it was a pretty good, pretty good one. But Dallas spread, Dallas money line, and then Dallas Super Bowl futures, which we did come out pretty well with those because we took a lot of Dallas money Super Bowl uh, future wise. So good, good weekend for the books. Tough one for the public. Um, this was an interesting story, and, I, and I'm referencing uh, David Purdom, who writes for ESPN. Um, he's, he does the betting the betting articles for them. He's very good. If so, if you want to check this out, it's at David Purdom. You can find it on on Twitter or X and, and link to it. I'm not going to go into the whole story because it'd take a while to explain. But uh, DraftKings had a really big air when they posted numbers on their NBA opener. It was like it was literally around Halloween. So October is the opening night of the NBA. They had uh, Nikola Jokic. His points, assists, and rebounds combined, which should have been something I would imagine. He's he's averaging. I mean, he almost gets a triple-double every game. I would imagine it would have had to have been in the 50s at the very least total. Well, they had it at 19. So it was a, it was a glaring air. Uh, and, or maybe it was 9.5. Whatever it was, it was a way, 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 way off base. Like, it wasn't even close. Um, so anyway, they had that up for a while. Had it up for several hours, and then there were some professional guys that found out about it, and they started spread or half professionals. I don't want to say professionals, but half professionals um, started spreading the word about it, and, and it got hit really, really, really hard. And they went back and they found a lot of uh, a lot of the, kind of the guy that started the whole thing, and and they restricted his account and so on and so forth. You you can see uh, by reading the article, but it's a fascinating thing. Um, it it really has the Apps have made uh, relations between bookmakers and uh, betters a little rocky um, because you don't know the people. And I can I can speak from firsthand experience on this. Um, when you have a relationship with a guest, a better, it's a lot easier to explain your points of view, to explain how or how or why house rules come into play or whatever. Um, and if you're reputable, if you do right by the people and you, you know, you don't change numbers on them at the counter, you give them the max on, on the bets that they want, uh, before you move the price. And a lot of things that a lot of bookmakers don't do, like the best ones still pride themselves on that. Um, but a lot of them don't do that. And, and it's really, it's bad, it's bad business, but then you, on the customer side of things, which I find myself to side with the customer a lot, even though I, you know, am on the other side of the counter because I also live on that side of the counter too with my own stuff. Like I bet as well. So I, I'm very sympathetic to customers and I, most of the time I'm on the side of the customer 
whether it's in this case, whatever, but sometimes I'm not. Like, this was a palpable error. This was an obvious, clear and obvious error. Someone tried to take advantage of it, and they took a shot, and they tried to hurt a book, and you shouldn't be doing that. Um, there's bad enough numbers out there that aren't clear and obvious where they're a mistake, where you get somebody's yards that are 30 yards less on one book than the other. That might not be a mistake. I don't think it probably is. A lot of times it's just the way that they set the numbers, it's, it's going to vary. If you go out there and look, you'll see big swings. You'll see different pricing. You can find good, sharp plays without taking a shot. When you go after a book that has a bad number up there, they're going to come after you back. You're going to get restricted. You're going to get cut off. And you're not going to be welcome in any of their properties. And I don't blame them for that because you can't... You can't take shots. It's just like if you if a price is if price tag on something in the store is is labeled wrong, and then you get to the register and they try to tell you, you know, or this sir, this doesn't cost this. You got to pay what it actually is supposed to be. A lot of times, you're not going to get away with the mistake. And if you knowingly are doing it, and you're spreading the word around, and you're taking shot after shot against them, um, they're going to put their defenses up, and I don't blame them for that. So you want to try to have a better. I'd like to think that people that I know on a first name basis and know their styles and know how they play and know all that. I feel like I, it would be a lot less likely that they would try to do that, but I, I can't say that's always the case. So I get it from both sides of it, but the bookmaker and better relationship, which once was something that was pretty strong, at least along legal lines, like in a legal sports book is not what it once was. And, and people every, I get so many messages, personal messages of friends, people that know me, and asking me about house rules or why this was like this or why they didn't get a refund for this. And um, I think books have made a mistake. They've coddled to these people a little too much. When a player gets hurt, they're giving them refunds and so on and so forth. They shouldn't do that because now these people are thinking they deserve it for everything. The Steeler game got moved uh, to Monday. The under obviously was getting crushed. Well, the weather improved by Monday. In most books, that's going to be action. Some places weren't. South Point was a refund. Um, other places, if it stayed in the venue and it was within seven days, we we put those in because of COVID. It got really tedious taking games down day after day. You take a game down, it got moved to, to, to Sunday night. No, now it got moved to Tuesday. No, no, now it got moved to Wednesday. It, we would have to refund and refund and refund, and it was really frustrating. It was tough, and it wasn't fair to people, and um, it you know it wasn't fair to us. But you know to to amend that problem or adjust for that problem, we did a seven day venue thing, which is. Very common. Most places have had that. So if it stayed in the same venue, same city, and it's within that game week, it was going to still be action. Some places it had to be 24 hours, like the old rule was what we used to have pre-COVID. Um, but I got a lot of questions this week about why people at DraftKings or so on didn't refund their bets because the Steeler game and they felt they got shafted and blah, 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 blah. And uh, all I can tell you is, yeah, that's, that's bad luck, but you're, you're betting on information, and when the weather changes and the house rules are right in front of you, you can't complain. Like, you know that is an, as a problem. You knew that game could be moved. You made the bet anyway. It said it right there in the house rules for you. I, I got to side with the house on that one. Um, uh, a lot of times uh, there's situations where, you know, it, it isn't fair, and you want to do right by, by people. Uh, golf, for instance. When a player scratches out of a golf tournament the week of the tournament, we refund all the tickets. I think that's fundamentally the right thing right thing to do. If the guy doesn't tee off, now if he tees off, all bets are all. That's all action. But if a guy is going to go to the American Express this week and he hurts his back two nights ago and he can't play, 
if you bet that this morning and he gets to the tee box tomorrow and he cannot swing a club, I don't think you should. I don't think that should be action. I think you should get your money back. It's just not right. That that is absolutely not right. And I know a lot of places now have changed that all bets are action no matter when you make them. We don't do that. I don't believe in that. And I, you know, I've fought to to make sure we didn't have to do that because I don't think it's right on, on any front. Um, now, if you're betting futures on majors, if you're betting the Masters and you're betting it in at Christmas time. And your guy doesn't make the tournament. That's action. I'm sorry. You. That's a high risk, uh, high profitability bet where you're getting uh, advanced odds at probably a very much uh, more f- uh, better friendly price. So to me, that's uh, buyer beware. If if that's the way it breaks out, that's the way it breaks out. And I know that's not fun, but that would not be something that if your guy just doesn't make the Masters, that isn't by any fault of us as a bookmaker. Um, we put them up there. You bet them. You didn't have to bet them. Now, if your guy, if you bet the week of, if you're betting on a Wednesday for a Thursday tournament, and your guy shows up lame on Thursday morning, I, I don't think you should take that take that as action. So anyway, that those are some interesting uh, quandaries that we get into in the industry uh, on a regular basis. So check out that article on Dave with David Purdom at ESPN. He does a really good job um, of breaking down kind of the relationship between betters and the bookmakers. All right, on we go tennis. Aussie Open, all of our men's futures are currently still alive. So that that's a good thing. Now, the women, we were 4-1 and one going into today. And again, as I mentioned last week, it pains me. But Maria Sacri, again, she fell, she fell apart today. Lost 6-4, 6-4. Uh, just a shame. I mean, this girl is a top-level seed, and she just cannot get out of her own head. She's the, one of the most talented players you'll ever see. She just can't. She can't do it. She just can't. I don't. I don't know why they continuously put her um, as a high seed. Because it, it. It's just she. She's not really a high seed because she has these mental barriers that she can knock it through. And she lost again. So took a shot with her. That was probably a mistake. But I said that last week it was going to be a low stake in just hopefulness that she could play to her talent and stay out of her own brain. And apparently that was not the case. So four and two in the women's. Uh, in the women's, uh, hang on a second. Why am I getting messages here? Sorry about that. Uh, people were blowing me up there. Uh, I think it was a work thing, but we'll check that in a minute. Uh, four and two in the women's futures right now that are active. Uh, Samsonova and Zachary both out. All of our futures in the men are still good. And uh, just recapping a few of them, um, Djokovic to uh, to win the tournament, obviously. And uh, I have a couple of uh, exact matchups that we had with him for the final uh, against Daniel Medvedev. And I can't remember the other ones, but you can check them all out, BLS underscore PRP. You can still get in on these now if you want to go back and look at them. Um, I, I, I say if you play these, you, you still have a have some uh, shots. Uh, Sabalenka is going to be really tough to beat on the women's side. Rabakin is going to be really tough to beat. Svitolina could make a little run. Osaka's already out, so... Um, we didn't have a play on her, but some of the guys that I said, uh, good uh, hardcore players, Yuri Laheka, he plays tonight. Uh, Herkuz still going all right. Holger Rune playing well. So you can recap those on betters or on uh, BLS underscore PRP, the betters last stand X page, and uh, and get in on those right now because they're, they're still good prices. You can get them basically the same as what you could get before because when these draws don't get turned upside down, you uh you're gonna keep pretty much the same odds because those odds are based on 
who's the most likely opponents of these players as they advance on out to the fourth round, the quarters, and on out. Um, so Coco Goff definitely in, in a good spot in her quarter uh, now that Zachary's out, not that it was going to be too much of a, a, a you know an obstacle for her. But uh, Aussie Open heating up, good stuff. Um, comes on usually around 7 o'clock Eastern time in the evening. So enjoy that while it goes on here for uh, another week or so. But um, got a lot of live action there. So if you want to recap them, go over to the X page and check them out. Golf action, we did not do very well last week. We're going to try to bounce back. It is the Amex, the American Express, at PGA West in La Quinta. Recapping last week, Grayson Murray wins a Sony at over 500 to 1. I actually heard some 550s out there. So shop around. I saw him as low as 175. I saw him as high as five, 500 myself. But I heard a couple of people tell me it was 550 as well. So they, they saw some 550s. So you can find these um, bombs out there. Just shop around. I, I can't stress that enough. Uh, and Nottingham Forest now back in front 3-2 over Blackpool. Oh, what a shame. Um, and some bombs have won here in the American Express in the past. So I'll put these up all on Twitter and X. So hopefully you checked them out before uh, the tournament went off. But I, I would recommend playing some of these on Friday anyway. If you listen to the show, check them out, see the odds, see where the guy, how he started the round out. And uh, you can sometimes get better numbers. So. Uh, don't give up on that. I'm going to be on Sung J M again this week. I think his game is um, coming back quite a bit. I talked about him a couple of weeks ago. He was right in the mix, played really, really well, shot an incredible uh, course record on his uh, in final round two weeks ago and uh, took last week off. So look for him to be back with a vengeance. Siwoo Kim, another one. He'll be one of my top plays. He's uh, played very, very well here at PGA West. So look, keep an eye on Siwoo Kim. And then my second uh, or my uh, other top pick is going to be Davis Thompson. He's around 79 to 1. C. Wu is around 45 to 1. And Sung J. M. should be between 18 and 20 to 1. Davis Thompson playing good golf. Second here last year. Think he's got a shot. Uh, pretty good price for him. Uh, a couple other guys, bigger prices. Actually, I'll go to the smaller prices. Patrick Cantley's 9 to 1 here. He's got a good course history, he's playing really well. I think he'll be very, very formidable, but I, I can't really recommend betting him at nine to one. It's just too low of a price. Uh, Scotty Scheffler is like five to one, the favorite here. I'm just not going to give bets out like that. It's just no, no return, and there's too many other good players out there. Eric Cole's been playing great. Gave him out the last two weeks. He's playing really good, so we'll keep on him. Tony Finau probably worth a top five or top ten play. He's thirty-three to one. He never really ever wins. Something I mean, he did last year, but not not a guy that closes very well. So Finau top five, probably a good one. Top ten. JT Poston, Taylor Montgomery, both playing some exceptional golf right now. Um, I, I'd take a shot with both of those guys. Uh, Poston's been playing well the last two weeks. He's around thirty to one. Montgomery around fifty to one. And then uh, a couple of bombers here. Eric Barnes. Um, if you if you listen to uh, anything on Veasan. You get there's a guy named Jeff Seeley on there, and he does a a, a a cut makers podcast. He's friends with his Eric Barnes, played golf with him recently, and uh, says his game is really shaping up pretty well. His putters come alive, and he's got some decent course history, and he's battling back from some of the smaller tours, and is expected to be a guy that could be in some, some you know in contention a little bit this year. So Eric Barnes at this is a staggering number six hundred and fifty to one. 
Um, so that's worth throwing five dollars on, I would say. So keep an eye on him. And then Lanto Griffin's a guy like he's around two ninety to one. He's had some good runs here in the past. Played well last week as well, getting his game back into form. I like Lanto Griffin uh, as a winner. I'll bet because nearly nearly three hundred to one. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. And then I'll probably play him uh, for a top ten, maybe top five, maybe even top twenty. So. Take a peek at those. And then Eric Von Royen, who's a guy who's uh, really hit or miss. He's like a guy that either makes the cutters in the top five. But he's 90-1, to 100-1. to 1. Uh, Definitely worth worth a peek. When his game gets going and he gets hot, he's really, really tough. So recapping uh, top plays, we have Sung J.M., Siwoo Kim, and Davis Thompson. Uh, guys who are kind of chalky, can't lay 9-1, to 1, so I won't recommend that one. Uh, mid-range players, Eric Cole. 30 to 1. Uh, I think I said Siwoo Kim, 44. Finau, 33 to 1. JT Poston, 30 to 1. Taylor Montgomery, 50 to 1. Bombers, Lanto Griffin, around 300 to 1. Eric Von Royen, around 100 to 1. And Eric Barnes, around 650 to 1. So uh, take a peek at some of those guys. As I said, some some bombs have won here in the past. I think John Rom won this last year. But last previous two seasons, uh, there was some 200 to 1 plus shots that hit. So Anything can happen. PGA West course gets a little bit tougher, but still a pretty good player's course to get the get the games uh, rolling here as we head into the tougher stretch here in a month or so. But uh, it's good to have golf back, and we'll uh, take a peek uh, at pretty much every golf tournament the rest of the way uh, leading up to the Masters and all the majors coming up this summer. So good stuff from the golf front as we're in the third week. So good to have it back. All right, back to business now. NFL divisional playoffs. This is what everybody wants to talk about. So going into these games, you look at the card, Saturday's games, Houston at Baltimore, Baltimore minus nine, total 44, and Green Bay, San Francisco, San Francisco nine and a half, total 50 and a half. Both teams, uh, both home teams coming in off buys, both number one seeds. As we know, Houston comes in off an impressive win. Green Bay comes in off an impressive win. Um, so the way I look at these is I kind of have my hunches. I kind of have what I think I like. And then I just go through, and I try to do this each year for the playoffs especially, is I rank the quarterbacks. And you can do this during the regular season too because I actually do it sometimes when I – if I like a team in a spot, then I'll go through and, and compare on, on this metric. And it's really a simple one, and anybody can do it. So it's who has the better – oh, they disallowed that goal from from Nottingham Force. So it's 2-2. Two, two. Okay. Uh so you go through and you rank the head coach. Who's got the better head coach? Who's got the better quarterback? It's as simple as that. And, man, I tell you, it, it's it's a recipe for success a lot of the time. Now, some teams have weird things like they, they don't win that way. Uh, but most of the time, if your coach is pretty good and your quarterback's pretty good, you're going to have a shot of winning. So here's what I came up with. I ranked all eight teams in order head coach, and quarterback. And then you get a value of, you know, add them together. So if you have the number one and the number one, you need, you got two. So anyway, here's, here it goes. So the coaching side of things, I had Andy Reid number one, and that's really only because um, he's won two Super Bowls here in recent years, and he has the best quarterback. So if you go back over to that, to me, the Chiefs have a two. So I know everybody's down the Chiefs. Everybody hates the Chiefs because of Taylor Swift. On and on and on. They're annoying, blah, blah, blah. Um, I got nothing but respect for them. I'm by no means a Chief fan, but I have nothing but respect for them. And if they can win me money, 
I'll gladly uh, look the other way on all the other stuff. So I had Andy Reid rated the top coach in Mahomes without question the best quarterback. I don't really understand other shows. I've heard people do this kind of similar thing. Maybe not quite the way that I do it, but similar. And they're they're only basing it off of what they've seen like last week. Like I well, Mahomes played in a in a minus thirty game where he didn't really need to be flashing the ball around and stuff. Like they won the game. That's all that matters. Josh Allen played in a high level game where he was able to, you know, take advantage of the conditions since the game got moved and and he looked very good. But Josh Allen He's not ever gotten over the hump. He hasn't won anything yet, and, and not taking anything against him, but you can't put him ahead of Mahomes. You just simply can't. He's never done it. If you haven't done something, you cannot be better than a guy who has done that very same thing. That's simple as that, at least in my mind. So Kansas City, without question, is it two. Maybe they're still the best team. They got the best coach. They got the best quarterback. Number two in the coaching department, I gave it to John Harbaugh. I think he's a really good coach. Um, he's, uh, he's won a Super Bowl before. He's had incredible amount of success one of the few teams that have been able to go into to new england in their prime and beat belichick and brady on the road that is not an easy thing to do and he has not had great quarterbacks i mean he, if you want to consider joe flacco he's just he's good but he's not great now he has a great regular season quarterback when he's healthy uh but john harbaugh to me clear and by far the second best coach here behind Andy Reid. Uh, second quarterback I had is Josh Allen. So I have Josh Allen rated right behind Mahomes. He's exceptional. He's Buffalo's number one go-to, and he is going to take the Bills. You know, the Bills are going to go as far as he takes them, so to speak. So, um, But going back and pairing him up with the numbers. So I got Allen as a second-rated quarterback, and I have Sean McDermott as the sixth-rated coach. So that gives Buffalo a score of eight. I think Sean McDermott, for... Early in his career, I thought he was going to be really good, but he has made a lot of mistakes in recent years. Going back to even when Deshaun Watson was playing for the Texans, he made a couple of really bad decisions for the Bills in a game that they should have won and they blew. Um, I'm not a fan of him. I think he's really went down in my book, and he obviously went down with his uh, little uh, Al-Qaeda stuff, uh, basically <laughs> giving great credit to uh, the terrorists on 9-11, which makes me sick and uh this i i can't tell you how how much respect i lost for him in the meantime but i i but prior to that i thought he had a deficiency in coaching anyway and i think that uh shows itself quite often uh i didn't think he coached a very good game the other day against the steelers but he's playing a far inferior opponent so that helped and mike tomlin is is just completely out the lunch or out for a cup of coffee basically the whole game he can't. He doesn't know when to challenge. He doesn't know when to call timeouts. Tomlin is is just not a very good coach either. But anyway, keeping keeping on track with the playoff games that we're talking about here. So I had Mahomes and Allen, the top two quarterbacks. Reed and Harbaugh, the top two coaches. Coach number. Well, I'll go back to coach number two. Harbaugh number two. Jackson was quarterback number three. So I have him at a number of five. So that makes Baltimore a five. KC a two. Buffalo an eight so far. So that's how I have that one going. Third coach on my list, D'Amico Ryans. I think he's shown a lot. He's it's only his first year, and I'm willing to um, look past. He made he had one clock issue in a game where they were playing. I want to say it might have been, it might have been Indianapolis. Indianapolis knows Jacksonville. I think um, that he that he made a mistake and he should have used the timeout and ran the ball and got his kicker closer, and they ended up losing the game. Thought that was the only mistake that I'd seen him make this year, but I, I know that's going to happen. 
especially for a guy in his first year. I think he has his team playing incredibly hard, and he is uh, just done a fantastic job and and on every you know in, in every part of the game and he's got a rookie quarterback who's really good and he's mentored him and he's not even an offensive coach so to me um really really high marks for D'Amico Ryan so I have him the third ranked coach and I have CJ Stroud the fourth ranked quarterback which gives Houston a number of seven so you got Kansas City two Baltimore seven Houston or Baltimore five Houston seven Buffalo eight those are your my top four ones so far if you cross the matrix uh fourth ranked coach i had kyle shanahan um now this is a staggering stat that i heard on the radio today kyle shanahan when trailing in the fourth quarter i believe he's oh and 28 i i didn't even know he had 28 losses for san francisco but anyway outrageous it might not have been 28 it might have been 20 i don't i think it was 28 but anyway Whatever it is, he hasn't won a game coming from behind in the fourth quarter. That, to me, is alarming, and that's why he's not higher on this list. He was part of that team that blew the lead against New England. Very conservative play calls when he was with the Falcons. I don't love him. I never loved his dad. I thought his dad was very overrated. If he didn't have John Elway and uh, Terrell Davis, he would not have won anything. Uh, I'm not Shanahan guy. I, I mean, I don't think he's the worst, but I don't think he's the best. I think he's got good ingenuity on offense game management and stuff i don't care for him i just don't think he's that good he middle of the pack not not bad but not good enough so he's a four and then i have purdy at a five so i had san francisco at a nine um obviously it doesn't account for teams defenses this is just strictly um, confidence ratings more than anything across the board there sixth rated coach that i had or i'm sorry fifth rated shanahan was four almost by default fifth rated coach dan campbell um, I like his aggressive nature to some extent, but it also does him in in other times. So that is a uh, concern. I had Jared Goff rated seventh. He's To me, he's basically tied for last. Um, I didn't give anybody an eight. I gave two sevens out. But Goff and Campbell match up for a combined, a combined total score of 12. So that uh, not really good enough in their defense. On top of that, worries me a touch. Lions just quite aren't there to that next threshold uh at, le- at least at this point um our next coach our seventh rated coach because we had mcdermott at six campbell was five todd bowles now todd bowles made a little bit of progress with me and a nice game plan against the eagles the other night um and he you know he's kind of up and down good defensive mind i think not sure he has a very good clue about the game flow so that would concern me a little bit. So that's why he's seventh. I uh, don't think he's great, but don't think he's the worst of the worst. Um, and then I have Baker Mayfield rated sixth. So that would give them a score of 13 for Tampa. To me, Mayfield can be very good. He can also be very bad. Uh, but I think in the right situation with the proper coaching and the right personnel, I think he can excel and uh, be a starter in the league. And he's shown that. And he took a team to the playoffs. Got him a nice playoff win as an underdog last week. And then finally, Matt LaFleur. I know he's going to take a lot of credit, and everybody wants to hate on Aaron Rodgers and say, oh, see, I told you the coach was good, Jordan Love was good, Aaron Rodgers is the problem, blah, blah. Uh, that's just not That's just not true. Uh, if you watch Packer games this year, they lost five games to teams that didn't make the playoffs. So to me, that's definitely a bad sign. Um, I know they, they looked good last week, but remember who they were playing. 
Dallas. Worst game plan, worst preparation of any team. Mike McCarthy would be dead last on this list if he were still in, uh, without question. He would have been dead last in mind of all the playoff coaches. Um, everybody that, that lost last week, Stefanski, uh, Mike Tomlin, on and on and on. Nobody would have been lower than McCarthy. He's absolutely the most lowest-rated guy on the board. He is completely clueless and is just an awful coach. And uh, LaFleur is right there. So LaFleur benefited last week. I do not think that happens again. Shanahan was uh, a mentor of his. They worked on the same staff for Kyle Shanahan's dad. I think you'll know him pretty well. Um, if Green Bay were able to uh, get the lead in the game, I think it could be a different story, but I don't I don't count on that happening. So LaFleur rated last among the coaches. Jordan Love tied for last in the quarterback. Everything looks good when Jordan Love gets time. He's got a great offensive line, so I will give him that. But we'll see what happens. Uh, it gets a little bit better of a defense. I'm just not sold on the Packers. I'm, they're just they they no show too often for me to to count them as being consistent. You just don't see great quarterbacks no show and lose at home to Tampa Bay and uh, I can't remember the other couple teams that they lost to. They lost to five really bad teams, uh, and not to mention in their own place, losing to Tampa Bay. Barely beat the Bears a few weeks ago in an awful Bears outfit. Uh, so I just have no confidence in Green Bay as far as stability. I just I feel like you could get a great game out of them or a terrible game. So anyway, that's how I kind of rank everybody. Uh, so it was like this. Kansas City was two. Baltimore a five. Uh, Houston a seven. Buffalo an eight. San Francisco a nine. Detroit a 12. Tampa a 13. And Green Bay a 17. So... You can do that in your own mind. You don't have to follow my my stuff. You just have your own opinions. Go through and rank them yourself and uh, see if that helps you break any ties in a game that maybe you're, you're at a coin flip. Uh, but going to this week's games, my picks, things that I like a little bit in these games. Um, Baltimore, Houston, I don't like to lay nine in a playoff game, but I will say this. The money right now is coming in lopsided on the Houston Texans, the Green Bay Packers, and the Buffalo Bills. You have 76% on Houston, 74% on Green Bay, and 70% on Buffalo. That is the early, I shouldn't even say it's money, it's more tickets. So that's ticket count. To me, that's a terrible sign. I'm good with this because I'm against all three of these teams. I don't think any of them are the right side. Um, but who knows? There's a long way to go. You could see some sharp money come in on one side or another and, and change that around. But I'm not basing anything solely off of that. Uh, it just makes me feel good that the public is overreacting to Green Bay and Houston, which I knew they would, as well as Buffalo. So I don't want to lay nine with Baltimore, but if I had to lay, if I had to make a play on the side in this game with the to- with the point spread, it would definitely be Baltimore. I think Houston's had a great season. I think they got a great quarterback. I think they have a great coach. I think they have a great future. Uh, I'm just not sure they're ready to win quite yet. So I think Baltimore is going to be very focused on not being rusty and uh, look as bad as they did the last time they had a number one seed and came in off a bye. I think they'll be very focused. I think they'll get an early lead in the game, and I think it'll be tough for the Texans to be able to come back. Baltimore defense is pretty well rested right now. I think they will give them a lot more uh, trouble than the Browns did last week. So I kind of lean under to the game, and then I would slightly lean to Baltimore. So not a strong play there. Uh, I'll be cheering for Baltimore, obviously. Green Bay and San Francisco. This game comes down to if Green Bay could somehow get the lead early in the game and, and continue to sustain and hang in and hang in, I wouldn't say they're out of it. Uh, I don't have confidence in the quarterback or the coach, but I don't really have quarter, uh, confidence in Kyle Shanahan either. 
Nine and a half is a lot of points to lay. San Francisco does not have a great secondary, and Green Bay pass protects very well. Now, I do think the 49ers will slow them down in the running game, which Dallas couldn't do. So I think that'll help the 49ers. If the 49ers get the early lead and can score in a couple of explosive plays, which they may well do, I think they'll bury the Packers. Uh, but comes down to if, who gets the ball, how that all works out, and who could go down and score first. Uh, I like the game under a little bit. I like both games under on Saturday. I know everybody's going to be wanting to play this over, 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 but I think um, Shanahan will, will control the ball a little bit, run the ball, uh, incorporate all his playmakers in various roles, and uh, I think they'll kind of have a couple of those really long seven, eight-minute drives capped off with a touchdown, and I, I just I don't think they want to get in a shootout with Green Bay because I think he knows his secondary isn't great, and if the pass rush can't get there, which Green Bay's got a great line, um, then you don't want to get in a shootout of a team like that. You want to get the lead. You want to control the ball and control the game. So that's why I'll lean under there. I know that's probably a risky play. Those are my plays on Saturday. Sunday's action. Got two games. Tampa at Detroit. Kansas City at Buffalo. Detroit minus six. Total 48 and a half. Kansas City catching two and a half. Total 45 and a half in that game. Um, this is This is tricky. The Lions defense concerns me a lot. Tampa Bay has had serious consistency problems. They were bad, they're good. They're bad, they're good. They're bad, they're good. They were they were very good last week. I'm not sure they can do that again, but the game is indoors, so that helps a little bit. They're not going out to a cold stadium or anything. Uh, I think there could be some points here. I'll say this. Detroit has no lock on the back door. So if you're going for a backdoor cover, Detroit is a team that is going to be vulnerable every single time. So that's why I think... There's a little value in taking Tampa. If you can get six and a half, if the thing goes to seven, absolutely. But even if you can get six, I take a look at Tampa. Even if you do an in play, they're they're falling behind, they're down. Play them plus ten and a half or something. If they you can get an in play number like that, because I do think they'll they'll have a shot at coming in the back door on the Lions. Because the Lions really struggled to get off the field last week against the Rams, and uh, Tampa's got some playmakers on offense too. And if they can protect Mayfield, that'll be important. If they can protect him a little bit, I think they'll be very live to cover the spread. I think the Lions will probably win the game. I think they'll probably be a field goal type game. Uh, but I definitely think Tampa might be the side plus the points there. If you wanted to tease that, even if you did a six-point teaser, I mean, that's set you in a pretty good spot. Seven gets you to 13. Um, I would consider that, and I think there'll be points because I think the Lions could build a, say, a 27-10 type lead. That gets you to 37 right there. You could see... A couple of late scores by Tampa to get that thing tight again. Um, I, I think the Lions will probably have a shot of scoring around 30 in this game, 27, 24 to 30. So I think over uh, seems to be a, the good side on that one. And then my favorite game of the week, um, I absolutely love Kansas City in this spot. Now I'm not saying I'm rooting for them, um, but I respect them a lot. And in my opinion, they got a better coach and they got a better quarterback. Well, actually, just a slightly better quarterback. Josh Allen's awesome. He's by far the best player on Buffalo's team. I don't love Buffalo's running backs. I don't love Buffalo's receivers. I know Kansas City's receivers suck too. But uh, Rice is coming along. And Nicole Hardman, who didn't do a whole lot last game, but I I think he'll be heavily involved. He's on the field a lot. I think he's going to get back in the sink. He's a guy Mahomes trusts a lot. So I think Kansas City is... Kind of, I don't want to say peaking, but they're they're getting a little better at the right time. You still got to beat them. They're the champs. Um, I think catching two and a half here, if you can get to three, it's a great bet. I think Kansas City will win this game. I think they have a better coach. I think they have a better defense. They have a slightly better quarterback, and I just I like their running game better. Um, 
their defense is not nearly as beat up as Buffalo. Buffalo lost two more key players off their defense. You cannot continue to replace these guys. Look at the Dolphins. They cannot continue to replace all the bodies they had missing on defense. I think Buffalo is very vulnerable. I thought Steelers had a lot of chances against them that they squandered. Um, I don't think Kansas City will squander. I think this is a business-like performance. Everybody's saying Mahomes can't win on the road. That's just flat-out stupid. And uh, it just it just shocks me how many people are on the Buffalo bandwagon. you got to remember, the way this team started the season uh, wasn't very good. Um, and I'm just not, I think they have a lot of vulnerabilities. I'm not saying they're not good. Allen makes them a legitimate Super Bowl team, but I just don't think they'll be good enough to win this game. We'll see. Um, I, I wouldn't mind if they won, but uh, I'm uh, I'm going to go with Andy Reid in Kansas City here. I think they uh, I think they go into Buffalo and they win the game. Uh, I'll be playing some alternate numbers on this game. I think the Chiefs might win this game by six points or more. Uh, I don't know. I know I'm against everybody on this. Every expert I've heard, Buffalo, 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 Buffalo. Every uh, public person I've heard, Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo. We'll need Kansas City badly, I would imagine, unless we take some sharp money on Kansas City. Um, But most likely, Buffalo is going to be the sweetheart play of the week. Everybody in love with them right now. Just not certain that I love their – I don't love their defense. I don't love their running game. I don't love their receivers. Tight ends are pretty decent. I do like the quarterback, but they're too beat up on defense. Short week. Chiefs get two more days of rest. Um, just to me, everything says Chiefs. It just screams Chiefs. Uh, and then as far as the total goes, I think it's an under. I think the Chiefs will uh, stymie them a little bit. I think Buffalo will probably come out really, really, really aggressive. And if the Chiefs can weather the storm, if the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs, in the best interest of them, I think if they get the ball first, I think. Um, I think they're going to be in good shape. I think they'll go down and score. If they make Buffalo chase, I think they're going to be very good. But kind of lean to the under here, lean under in the first half as well. I think the Chiefs will run the ball well, control the clock, and um, Mahomes just makes a couple more plays than Allen, and it might not even be Allen's fault. This could turn on to, to another one of them shootouts where Mahomes just outduels him because the Buffalo defense couldn't stop him or his coach let him down. So Josh Allen's good enough to win this game, no doubt about it. I just don't think his supporting cast is as good. But we shall see. Um it's, it should be an exciting week uh, of divisional playoff action, that's for sure. Um, but the most important opinion is your opinion. So be sure and uh, figure out what you want. Get a game plan, check the weather, check all the other variables, uh, personnel and everything, and uh, go with what you got. So that's going to do it for us here. Better's last stand. All the, pokes, all the picks will be posted at the Pine Room Studios on X and at BLS underscore PRP. Put up all the stuff for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and any other tennis plays or what have you throughout the coming few days. Uh, That'll do it for us. Be sure and check us out on the radio, Watchdog Network, Monday, Tuesday, and Friday. Give us a call on the show. You can text us. uh, Very interactive show. We like to have all the fans involved. And uh, it's good to hear from our listeners and fans. That'll do it for us here in the Pine Room Studios on Better's Last Dance, show number 70. Have a wonderful weekend. Get out there and call your IC Cab, 304-232-1313, or download the IC Cab app today. IC Cab, always working. Get that arranged for the weekend. Get out there, have some fun, watch some playoff games, uh, and most of all, stay warm. It's a, it's a chilly couple days, but we're going to be up into the 50s, I believe, next week. So until next week. We shall see you. Uh, Hopefully we'll see you or hear you. Call us in on the radio. Follow along. Whatever you want to do. Pine Room Studios. Lots going on. 
Uh, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the rest of your week. And we'll see you next week on Better's Last Stand. Welcome in, Better's Last Stand, back after a Thanksgiving hiatus. Last time, we were seen over at Belmont Brew Works. Had our buddy Rick on the on the show. He uh, had us over. It was a great uh, evening. We talked a lot about sports betting on the show, as always, and then uh, had a few drinks and uh, something to eat. So it was a good time. Chris here with me in the studio. Hello. 